Hey there, Dunker Punks. Thank you, as always, for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. I am really excited about this show, I'm not going to lie, and I think that you're going to feel the same way by the time that it's over. Here's just a little teaser of what's to come while we hear our theme music. In this episode, we're going to hear about a travel writer who had to leave his job for his most powerful and exciting journey to unfold. Has there ever been a time when you had to break out of your cycle, your routine, even your job, to really feel like you were living out the adventure that God has in store for you? Think that over while we hear some Dunker Punk music from Jacob Krause. today's episode, we're here again from contributor Ben Baer. Ben interviewed Jess Hofford, a young adult in the Church of the Brethren who was a travel writer in Des Moines, Iowa, until some revelations in his life led him to take a dramatic leap of faith that has changed him in several ways, big and small. Now, Jess lives in Santa Ana, California and serves at the Principa de Paz Church of the Brethren. Jess describes the call that stirred him to leave the Midwest for an entirely new culture and setting, what he's been doing at Principa de Paz, what he's learned about himself, his new community, and God, and even what you can do to become involved yourself. It is really inspiring to hear Jess talk about his journey, and I don't want to give too much away. So, without further ado, let's hear from Ben and Jess. Hey there, Dunker Punks. This is Ben Bear bringing another podcast to y'all. This week, I am joined via phone with Jess Hoffert, all the way from over in California. Hey, Jess, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing all right. It's finally warm here out in Virginia. We've had a 
pretty wacky spring, and so we're glad to have it feel like it's actually warm now. Yeah, it's been warm here since January, so <laughs> things haven't changed much. <laughs> yeah, so tell us about that. What are you doing with yourself these days? So I am currently living at uh, Church of the Brethren in Santa Ana, California, called Principe de Paz, uh, Prince of Peace, Iglesia de los Hermanos, Church of the Brethren, and I've been here since January 9th, and I'll be here until July 9th, so exactly six months. And I'm here just doing some volunteer work, helping out where I can, and just exploring Hispanic culture. I'm originally from Minnesota. I grew up in a small rural Church of the Brethren in southeast Minnesota, where my dad um, was a pastor and is still a part-time pastor. And went to school in Iowa, went to college there. So I've always been a Midwest boy, I've always lived in the Midwest, and I was just ready to experience a new part of the country. And serve the church while I was at it. So it's been a really rich, rewarding, and um, fulfilling experience so far. Cool. How did you end up with this particular job, with this particular location? So I met the pastor, Richard Zapata. Um, He and his wife, Becky, are co-pastors here at the church. And Richard was a speaker at National Young Adult Conference two years ago in Manchester, Indiana, when it was at Manchester University. And I was on the Young Adult Steering Committee at the time, helping to plan the conference, but I had never met Richard before until we met in Indiana. So he um, spoke, he gave his presentation, he basically introduced his home church where he was preaching and what type of ministries they do. And something about his presentation really inspired me and made me think, I really want to experience this for myself. And he wrapped up his little message by basically offering an invitation to anyone there at the conference to come to the church and minister in any way that they saw fit. And they could kind of make it their own ministry, whatever they were passionate about, whether it was youth or homeless issues, or because there's plenty of homeless in the city, painting, renovation, anything. So I thought, that sounds cool. It took me... (laughs) about a year and a half of discernment to figure out when I would do it, if I would do it, and for how long. I was working a pretty good job back in Iowa, writing for a travel magazine. So I did some traveling with my job, which is what I'm really passionate about, but a lot of it was still working in a cubicle, staring into a computer screen all day. And I was feeling some nudges last year, like, I need to go out and give back in a more tangible way than just sitting on my computer and writing travel stories. Even though I enjoy doing that, there was a part of me that needed to be filled with something else. So I contacted Richard and I said, okay, I'm thinking about coming out next January. Would that work? He's like the most chill person ever. He's like, yeah, come out whenever. We'll set up a room for you. We'll take care of everything. I'm like, sweet. So we had some back and forth and then I drove out here in January with my two cats loaded my cat in my little Honda Civic and everything I could pack in there. And we did a five-day journey across the country. And now I'm in the pastor's former office on the church property. And they did an incredible job decorating it and basically making it feel like a studio apartment. And so here I am with the cats. They're currently, I'm in the room right now, and they're currently sleeping on the bed and enjoying the California life as well. Cool. 
I know that one of the things that caught my attention that made me want to include you on the Dunker Punk podcast is that the timing of your choice to do this. Oftentimes, when we find that people uproot themselves and they go and they do something I don't, for drastic, for lack of a better word, is when everything else kind of crumbles and there have been major changes in their life. Or it's sometime like they have just finished high school or college and there's a natural transition that's happening. And you sort of found this call in the middle of what most would say is a pretty comfy part of your life where you had a nice job, you liked your work, and you were pretty well settled. You have two cats. What was... Life can't get any better with the cats. I mean, I bet your cats, they're pretty cool. But yeah, uh, was there anything in particular that kind of was the nudging point that put you over the edge with this particular call for help, the call for volunteers, call for action? Because certainly you hear calls for action within the church all the time if you simply put half an ear to the ground. So uh, what was the tipping point for this one? Yeah, you make a good point. I was living a pretty comfortable life, and I would say I was starting to feel almost too comfortable. I was in very comfortable surroundings, familiar surroundings. Like I said, I'd always grown up in the Midwest, and I traveled a bit, but never, like, long-term to any place. So there were a few a few factors that led to me ultimately making the move out here. One of them was a friend of mine who I worked with. She was a, a former co-worker. And she received an MS diagnosis. Um, and she was also a passionate traveler, loved to see the world and go everywhere with her family. But after she was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, that made it a lot more challenging for her. A year after that, she was diagnosed with basically a life-threatening cancer diagnosis on top of that. And she was 43 years old. She's still alive, um, miraculously. She had a 50-50 shot of living through last October, and she's still hanging in there. But her, her story and just the fact that suddenly she wasn't able to do what she loved anymore or it made it a lot harder for her to do that reminded me that tomorrow is really never promised for us. And gosh, I hope and pray that I don't get hit by a bus tomorrow or that I receive a cancer diagnosis. But if that happened, would I look back on my life and say, boy, I'm glad I stayed in that cubicle job for years and years and years. And I couldn't answer that that way. I, I decided that I need to do this. I need to experience a new culture. I need to give back in a more tangible way to the world. And that was compounded by the election. And I don't want to get political, but... Obviously, you don't have to be political to know that immigration issues are very much front and center in a way that they haven't been in a long time. And I wanted to put myself in the middle of this situation somehow and find a way to help. I didn't know quite how I could help. It's such an overwhelming, complex issue. But I wanted to go to the source of not the problem, but the source of where a lot of immigrants are. And Santa Ana is a hotbed, for lack of a better word, of immigrants. And the church is right across the street from Santa Ana High School, which is about 3,400 students and about 98% Hispanic. So that gives you a sense of the makeup of 
the city and the neighborhood that I'm in right now. When I walk down the street, I'm the only white person walking down the street, unless I go downtown, which is a little more diverse. But I'm in a place where I am constantly hearing stories about immigrants and their challenges, and I'm learning that a lot of them just need an outsider. I've talked about this with the pastor a lot, that my role here is as an outsider who wants to help. And there are so many white people that in their lives on the TV screens that are talking in a hateful or closed-minded way about people who look like them. And to have someone around who looks like those people on the TV but is giving them a different message of how can I help you rather than how can I get you out of this country is something that they need more than I thought they did. Um, so just my presence, I think, has been not just beneficial to them, but certainly beneficial to me to help understand this complex issue. Uh, so you had said that when you had received the invitation to come out to Santa Ana, that it was sort of an open-ended invitation as far as the work that you would do. How has that manifested itself? What have you found yourself doing, and is it what you expected you might be doing? There have been some things that have been what I expected, but a lot that has been completely unexpected. Um, I do that. I enjoy working with youth, and so I knew coming out here I would be working with the youth in some form. This church is very unique from a brethren perspective in that out of the 150 or so people that come to church on a Sunday morning, about 50 of them are high school age or younger, about a third of the congregation, which I think is very unusual for a brethren congregation. At least the ones I've been to are aging congregations with not a lot of youth. So that's really different. But obviously with that many youth, you need to have some good leaders. And they do have good leaders in the church. But I've been teaching Sunday school to the 9 to 12-year-olds, and just in that age range, there's like 20 of them, which just kind of blows my mind. But yeah. there's 20 kids in that group. Um, the 9 to 12-year-old group, they're the biggest Sunday school class, and they're definitely a handful, but it's been a good challenge for me. I started a little youth choir made up of about 5-year-olds to 10, 11-year-olds, and there's about 8 of them in that group. And so I've been teaching them some songs that I learned at church camp. Camp Pine Lake back in Eldora, Iowa, and those have been fun. So it's been a mix of camp songs and also some songs that I find on YouTube that are more contemporary youth songs. I tried to teach them a song in Spanish, but the kids were like, we don't like singing in Spanish, which I'm like, oh, well, okay, I tried. Because a lot of the kids, they love, I mean, they speak, they speak English fluently. Growing up, they go to school, they talk English with their friends. And a lot of their parents don't know English very well, but they prefer English, and the parents prefer to speak in Spanish. So that's an interesting dynamic, too. But, yeah, so working with the youth, teaching Sunday school, teaching them some new songs in the choir. I've also gone out with them to serve the homeless. They do that three times a month. It's actually really incredible. They serve 150 people each time they go, and they do it three times a month. So they're basically providing 450 meals a month for the homeless of Santa Ana, which I think is just remarkable for a church of this size and also a church that's made up of a lot of people who are 
I would say working class, not making a lot of money for sure. But they give back in such a huge way and it's really inspiring. So I've been part of that ministry. And also one thing that's been really unexpected is with the kids, a lot of them have not traveled very far out of Santa Ana, if at all. I've learned that some of the 10 or 11-year-old kids just went to the beach for the first time like a year ago. And the beach is like 12 miles from Santa Ana. And as someone who loves to travel, that just kind of blows my mind that these kids don't travel much. And I think there are multiple reasons for that. I think one is these are first-generation immigrant families for the most part, and there's still a sense of kind of living in the shadows and being afraid to go out and explore. Even though raids and deportations are pretty few and far between in this area, they do happen on occasion. So there is a level of fear, I think, connected with going out. Certainly some financial issues with going out. A lot of families think that, oh, I'm going to have to spend a lot of money if we go out anywhere, which isn't really true for the beach. Obviously, Disneyland, seven miles down the road, that's a different story. That's, that's expensive. But um, So what I've been doing to try to help them feel safe going out and exploring is just taking some families or kids out to a movie. Some of the kids have never been to the movie theater before. Taking them out for ice cream at a place they've never been before. And little little outings like that. And these kids talk about these little things for like weeks on end. Like, remember when we saw that movie? I'm like, yeah, we did that two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really incredible to me. And obviously, I love going to the movies and I love going out for ice cream. So I'm like, if this is the ministry I see myself doing, then heck yes. I love this kind of ministry because I'm getting ice cream too. Um, but it's amazing how, how much of a difference that makes. And that's certainly something I, I didn't expect to be doing out here. But it's been cool. Well, cool. So starting July 9th, are you headed back to Minnesota to resume your work there? Yes. So I'm going back to the Midwest. I'm going back to Minnesota where I grew up. And I'm going to spend nine months starting in July with my sister and my brother-in-law. They live in the Twin Cities area. And they have a niece who's about a year and a half old right now, so she'll be about two when I get there, a little before age two. And I'm going to spend nine months just taking care of my niece part-time. Oh, that's cool. quality time with her for a while. Yeah. it's Again, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and I'm like, while I'm not doing a full-time job, I might as well enjoy this. She's my first niece that I have, so I get to play the fun uncle for a while. <laughs> and... I forgot to mention that I actually haven't fully left my job back in Iowa, which is another really cool aspect that I'm grateful for is that they're allowing me to do freelance work while I'm here. So I'm still occasionally writing some travel pieces and doing some proofreading and editing work for my job back home and able to still have some income while I'm here volunteering, which has been a real blessing because that income has also allowed me to help do some ministries here, like taking the kids out for ice cream and things like that. So when I'll be back in Minnesota, I'll be continuing to do that freelance work while I'm taking care of my niece part-time. And then who knows? Then we'll see what happens after that. Cool. Have you thought about how your time right now in Santa Ana might impact where the trajectory of where things go for you in the future? Yeah, that's a good question. And I haven't... I obviously don't know for sure, but I know that this experience has, it's changed me in a positive way. 
I've learned to appreciate the Hispanic culture and what it stands for a lot more. They're very proud of their families and really are just some of the most generous, welcoming people I have met. From day one, when I arrived, I had people welcoming me, bringing food in the morning, dropping it off at the church, offering to have me over for dinner. Yeah, and the kids are just, they're sweethearts. They can be crazy. They can be muy loco, but they're, <laughs> they're sweethearts too. And, you know, they come up to me and give me a hug when I show up at church. And I just feel, I feel very much like a part of this family. And certainly I've learned some Spanish along the way. But I think they've, yeah, they've imparted some important values on me on just how important family is. And they have also reminded me of the importance and the power of prayer. Before I came here, I, I wasn't praying regularly. I barely prayed at all. And it had been a while since I did, like, regular praying. But prayer is so important to these people here. And they do it out loud. It's not silent prayer. I'm more of a silent prayer person myself. But the fact that they were doing it out loud, doing it constantly, reminded me of how important it is and how powerful it is to be standing in a circle and just sending your thoughts to God and sharing your thoughts and being open about them. And so I've started doing daily prayer and I, I don't know if I've ever done that before where like every single day in the afternoon I pray and I pray for certain people every day people at the church people back home and that's been really meaningful to me and I think that's something I will probably carry with me after this that I hope to carry into that as far as like career wise I don't know I might go back into the travel writing career and go back into the cubicle life because like it's not that I hated it I enjoy it but also, I always want to be doing something else on the side where I'm giving back and then finding that part of me that needs to be filled. Work will always be there. Money will always be there. But these opportunities will not always present themselves. So while I was single and unattached and just had the two cats to take care of, I'm like, I need to jump on this opportunity. Very cool. For our parting words, do you have any words of advice for the listeners that we have out there. Oftentimes, dunker punks, we are thinking of different ways that we can be the church in the world, and it's sometimes daunting to think about taking that first step. So as someone who has shaken it off and just gone for it, do you have any advice? Well, not so much advice, but I want to pass along the invitation that Pastor Richard gave at the Young Adult Conference, because I'm leaving in July, but there will always be ministry here to do. And I think I'm just starting to plant some seeds of some new ministries here, and I can't be around to continue those. And so we need someone or multiple people to come and kind of pick up where, where I left off. And so I want to provide an invitation, certainly for anyone listening. If you like Southern California weather nice warm weather and if you're in the cold midwest or want to take a break from winter you can certainly come out here the church would love to have you the amazing thing about it is it's completely flexible you can choose the amount of time you want to come out here the type of ministry you want to do so it's really it's kind of a create your own ministry out here and the people will always support you. You just need to ask for help and they'll be there. They'll be there to help guide you and 
if you're overwhelmed, you know, you can take a day off. It's not like certain hours of every day. And also, this church planted a new church in a town called Los Baños, which is about four hours north of here. And yes, that translates to the bathroom. That's the name of the town. <laughs> uh, just getting that out there. But it's a new church plant by Principe de Paz, also a church of the Brethren, less than a year old. About 40 people are meeting right now in a rented space in a strip mall. And they're looking for people, too. They currently have no youth activities or no youth leader. So certainly they're looking for someone to do that. So it's kind of cool because you can either do the city, the urban opportunities here in Santa Ana, or do the more rural opportunity out in Sanya, which is a lot of migrant workers who are working in the pistachio fields and the cherry orchards and the, the vineyards. It's wine country out there. So it's a totally different type of ministry you'd be doing, but they need people out there too. And again, you can pick when you want to come, how long you want to come, totally flexible, and they'll take amazing care of you. Hospitality is five stars here um, at these churches. So, yeah, come out here. And if you have any questions, can I share my contact information? Oh, yeah, go for it. So if this sounds interesting to you, this is suddenly sounding like a commercial, but you can either email me at Jess, J-E-S-S, as in Sam, dot Hofford. H-O-S-S, as in Frank, E-R-T, as in Tom, at gmail.com, or you can give me a call or a text at 507-429-0495, or find me on Facebook or Instagram or wherever. But I'd love to hear from you guys, and they would love to have you here. All right. Well, great. Thanks for your time, Jess. It's been a lot of fun hearing about what you're doing, and to hear the passion that comes through when you talk about it and how it has clearly been a formative experience for you. I hope that your next little bit that you have left there goes well for you and that you're able to enjoy it for all that it's worth. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and to share about the experience. And there's so much more I could talk about, but I will say, if you do want to read more about my specific experiences I've been having, I've been keeping a blog. Um, about once a week, I write a blog post about my experiences here. And the website is orangebridges.com. I called it the Bridges of Orange County because Bridges of Madison County is an Iowa tie, but obviously I'm in Orange County, so it's tying both my Iowa and my California life together. So I feel like I have to explain that. It's like, why is it orangebridges.com? But that's why... Okay. I actually put some thought into it, believe it or not. So yeah, check it out and let me know if you can contact me through the website as well. All right. Well, thanks again so much, Jess. And thank you, thank Duncan you. Punks, for listening in. And I hope that you all have enjoyed hearing these stories as much as I have. Until the next time, I'll see you then. You know, sometimes we just can't help but question where we actually see God moving in the church or in our communities today. So often when we struggle with that question, it's like we're watching for miracles or supernatural interventions to occur. Where, we ask, where is the big invisible hand of God active today? But so much more often, God moves through people, through their words of welcome and invitation and challenge, through their moments of realization, through their hearts full of compassion, through their desire for a life richer 
with meaning and closer to God. I just don't think that I've heard a story recently that reminds me of how much God is working in the world today more than Jess's story has reminded me of that. It's everywhere, from the invitation that Pastor Richard offers at National Young Adult Conference, to the nagging feeling and the subtle nudges that Jess has experienced ever since. From the snap of realization that Jess has something that needs to change in his life, to the fact that Pastor Richard is actually willing to follow through on that invitation, giving up his own office so that Jess can move in. And that's to say nothing about the miracle of somehow driving two cats across the country in a Honda Civic across a five-day journey and somehow living to tell the story. And of course, God is so much more evident even than all of that in the church and the community that just joins. A vibrant, young, and growing congregation, the joy of working with children to praise God and serve others. The generosity that a working-class church pours out upon its community, giving freely of itself to serve hundreds of people experiencing homelessness each month. The promise of a new church plant where God's presence can be felt amidst the struggles of urban and rural communities alike. The knowledge that in this political moment, one of the most powerful ways to stand up and to speak out against the hatefulness spoken about immigrants and Hispanic people is just to be there, to be present, to be with them, to take in and lift up their humanity and their dignity. Now I have to be honest, part of the reason that Jess's story is so powerful to me is that I've heard it before and actually it has already helped inspire me to take a pretty big leap of faith myself. For months, I've been wrestling with the decision about joining Brother and Volunteer Service with my wife, who has already decided to join BVS. It's a decision that would literally cost me thousands upon thousands of dollars, just as we're starting to build a foundation of financial security. It's a decision that will mean leaving behind a promising career prospects and every sense of safety and control that I've managed to muster for myself. It is a scary decision. It's a leap of faith. But after hearing Jess's story during this year's Young Adult Conference, along with a whole host of nudges and not-so-subtle pushes, I knew that it was the right decision to make. And so I did take that leap of faith. And so now, now you've actually heard two leaps of faith. Do you think that you can make it a third? Maybe it doesn't look like voluntary service, although then again, maybe that's exactly what it looks like. But whatever it looks like, I invite you to be receptive to God's call. What is the invitation to serve God and others that you've received recently that you just can't quite get out of your head? What would it look like to actually accept that invitation? And what steps do you need to take to actually, truly, really get there? If you can't think of an invitation, remember that Jess just gave you one during his conversation with Ben. Go to Santa Ana or to Los Banos and serve there. Both Principal de Paz locations, they will welcome you with open arms and I've heard it straight from Jess, enough tamales to last you a lifetime. You'll find great need for you to help mend, but I also bet you more than anything that you're gonna find even greater need that God in this community will help you fill. 
seriously think about it and seriously go for it. Contact Jess at jess.hoffer at gmail.com. That's J-E-S-S dot H-O-F-F-E-R-T at gmail.com. Or give him a call or a text at 507-429-0495. Or find him on Facebook or Instagram. And, of course, make sure to read more about his experiences in Santa Ana at orangebridges.com. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in for another episode in a couple of weeks. The Dunkerpunks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from around the United States who take a leap of faith every two weeks that you'll tune in and find God somewhere in each episode. This episode was edited by Kevin Schatz, and our theme music is by Jacob Krause. Our editor is Suzanne Lay. My name is Emmett Wachowski-Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts. And guess what? We're hiring. We are teaming up with On Earth Peace to offer a Dunker Punks podcast internship. If you want to learn more about podcasting and telling stories of peace, justice, and people following God in cool and crazy ways, why don't you apply? And yes, it is paid. Ask us more about it at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. And if you're not looking for an internship, but you still want to be involved, we have plenty of opportunities for you too. We are always looking for audio contributors to produce content. It's an excuse to talk to some great people, mess around with some audio equipment, and get to tell your story or the awesome stories of people in your life. So if you're interested, contact us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. You can learn more about the Dunkerpunks at dunkerpunks.com, and you can listen back to this episode or others at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes and find us on social media at DunkerPunksPod. Okay, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I just want to be me.